Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver Sports Travel. My name is Matt Southgroom and today I'm joined by rugby writer Andy Howell. Good morning, Andy. Morning, Matt. How are you I'm doing? Not too bad. I've just about warmed up after my trip down to Pakistan uh, a couple of days ago, but uh, <laughs> not too bad. It was a ferocious night down there. Uh, before we go any further, I should remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Go over there and search for the Welsh Rugby Podcast and you should find us no trouble at all. Um, Andy, we're at Rodney Parade. We'll get into it um, for the Boxing Day derby. Uh, what did you make of that? Uh it was closer in the end than it looked like it was going to be at one point. That's right, yeah. The weather spot the game. I uh, guess you had some of that weather, didn't you, out west as well. <laughs> uh, weather spot the game. It was just uh, it was loads of errors. The first half was um, you know, all of the shot, the ball being uh, spilled. Um, neither team were fantastic in the first half. And at times it was almost like watching a bit of a uh, schools match, mm. I guess. You know, people just chasing the ball around. Felt sorry for the people who you know turned up there. It was a near full house. And um, you know a lot of those people got soaking wet and were freezing as well. They wasn't a spectacle. Uh, blues were too good for them, as we suspected uh, beforehand. That the Dragons are decimated by, uh, with injuries in their back row, and um, yeah, when the Blues had Josh Navidi, Nick Williams, it was perfect for him. You know, big man against perhaps lesser opponents, threw his weight around, and uh, Ollie Robinson. So uh, they did really well in the contact area. Um, Dragons had a lot of the play mind in the first half because their scrum was uh, uh, was dominant and penalties, but they they didn't do a lot with the ball. They didn't actually um, uh, against uh, the Blues and against uh, Newcastle. They haven't done a lot with the ball their last couple of uh, uh, couple of matches. And then in the um, Blues scored a try, didn't they? Some good play by uh, um, Owen Lane, the yeah. youngster. Yeah, broke a tackle from Gavin Ensign. They um, scored a try. Scored another. Uh, in the second half, great work by Matthew Morgan. Stood up Ashton Hewitt, fastest man in Welsh rugby. <laughs> Gone the outside of him and then flipped the um, flipped the ball on for the uh, the sub Tom James uh, to score. And the game was over. It was uh, um, you know they were twenty uh, scored twenty two points. Game was over. Needed one more try for a bonus point. The Blues thought they'd bound to get this bonus point, but uh, typical perhaps of the uh, Blues lack a bit of a killer instinct. Took their foot off the gas. Let the Dragons. Uh, Back in, uh, they scored a couple of uh, they, they they scored a couple of tries. Twenty two seventeen, another few minutes. You wonder what would have happened. Mm. Based mm. on so they were hanging on. So the, anyway, fifty five minutes of the game were poor. The the the, the remainder of it was uh, it, it did you know it did break into a decent game. But the weather, we must say, mitigating circumstances, the weather was awful. Um, based on what you said, um, we had a chat. I think it was probably two weeks ago. Um, maybe slightly longer when Ollie Griffiths was ruled out with his second injury in, in the last few months and we talked about whether or not it could be the kind of injury that derails their season given how well he's been playing obviously he's captained them a few times um, based on what you were saying in the back row then did, was he a guy that they missed in particular? Oh, yeah they missed him and of course they missed uh, Nick Cutt as well didn't he? he was out for the season mm. uh, you know, was, um, they got injured in pre-season um, so yeah they missed them um, James Benjamin's a good player he can play sort of Seven or eight, uh, very skillful, but uh, it just didn't happen for him uh, against the Blues. He spilled the ball a few times trying to put these offloads in when really what pass wasn't day for those offloads. And you know they got a, a, a young, really young kid on a blind side in uh, Aaron Wainwright. Um, and they had James Sheikey who was playing for Cardiff RFC early in the season, though he did quite well. 
at, uh, at number eight. You know, they're missing Lewis Evans as well. He hasn't played much this season because of injury. He's experienced ex-captain. Um, and, um, you know, they need a big number eight. That's why they signed Ross Moriarty for uh, next season. So, you know, they're a, bit, they're a bit light in the back row against good teams. And it's so hard then to win, uh, to steal a ball on, on the floor. Mm. And uh, also the opposition ball down. Really, the Blues were really well in control of that game, apart from the scrum. So, if you're losing the battle in the back row and you're losing the breakdown consistently, um, it becomes very difficult for your backs to, to start firing. Um, Gavin Henson didn't have the best of afternoons, I think it's fair to say. Um, perhaps that was a result of what was going on in the back row, but a few of his mistakes came in defence, which, which was quite alarming as well. It led to the tries. Yeah, well, he missed it. Uh, Owen Lane went straight uh, through him. Yeah, that was for Summerhill's try. For Summerhill's try, the first try. Yeah, he finished that well, man. They, they finished that well. Uh, Lane went through Gav. Gav tackled him and he broke his tackle. Yeah, and then he got himself out hopelessly out of position for Ray Lilo's try in the second half, which was a, the killer score. Mm. Um, you know, he didn't get a hand on him. It was uh, and plus as well that he did uh, his first batch pass. I think almost of the match was intercepted. Blues nearly scored from that. And he uh, had a drop of 22, uh, charged down. So, no, he didn't have his uh, greatest game. Um, you know, knowing Garth, he'll be very uh, disappointed his performance. And I guess if he plays against the Ospreys on New Year's Day, he'll be looking to uh, uh, put it right against another of his former teams. Um, I remember when he signed, uh, there were things being said about when he has a good day, the, the Ospre- sorry, the Dragons are likely to have a good day, and when he has a poor day, it's probably going to reflect on the rest of the team. Was there anything of that that you saw at Rodney Parade, or was it just other things that went wrong on the day for the Dragons as well? Yeah, there were other things, I think. you know, The, uh, the weather conditions, obviously, you know, weren't conducive to uh, attacking rugby. You're only limited what you can do with the ball, really. Uh, um, you know, it's hard to throw massive passes, isn't it, and stuff. And... Um, and of course, what was happening up front the, mm. uh, with the breakdown? It was really stop-start match. First half was a lot of injuries. It was scrappy, and because of the ball, people were knocking on, and also there was a lot yeah. of scrums. There was heck of a lot of penalties in the match. Uh, many of them awarded at the um, scrum, so it was really stop-start, um, low-speed stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, so you know it's hard for there wasn't much rhythm in the game. So you know if you're a back, you want to get rhythm in your play, don't you? You want plenty of ball rhythm yeah. and getting people running off you and all. But uh, Dragons found it difficult to do that. Talking about the scrums then, obviously, particularly in the first half, they were a pretty big um, part of the game. Um, Bradley Thayer went off with a yellow card. Uh, so the Dragons got the upper hand in that fast in the first half. Then it sort of levelled out as the game yeah, wore on. Yeah, they had Nicky Thomas in the first half, didn't they? He was, uh, you know, what is he, 23? Uh, according to Jason Strange, Wales under 20 coach, he was the best prop in the world at that level at the World Cup. In 2013, when Wales finished runners-up, he was with the Ospreys. Um, then he had uh, issues with fitness and weight, so they uh, dispensed with his services. He's had a spell at Gloucester. He's actually a Scarlets player now. who was uh, put out on uh, loan to Bristol, and now he's on loan at the um, at the Dragons. And he, he he's massive. Uh, he is carrying so much uh, baggage. Um, but it's such a shame, because if that guy got himself in shape, he could do some... Uh, uh, do some damage. He was blow, you know, he was actually blowing in the warm up, um, and he was sort of trundling around the park. But during his forty minutes on the park, he had uh, he had uh, the blues tr- uh, scrum in a heck of a lot of uh, trouble. You know, 
there's so much he could make so much money out of his career as a rugby player maybe play for Wales at the highest level if he got himself uh, uh, fit I mean um, Adam Jones didn't he he had to uh, though I've never seen Adam as big as uh, Nicky Thomas Adam had to get himself in shape Gatlin read a riot act of him on a couple of occasions and another Welsh prop who was perhaps the most talented prop of all who never really made, made it even though he went on a Lions tour and that but again because of fitness and uh, issues and perhaps not looking after himself on the nutrition front was Darren Morris who was one of the most talented rugby players you would see but so I, I feel you know I hope in Nicky's year Thomas doesn't go the same way he's in the last chance saloon year now he's uh I think the Dragons going to sign it would sign him for next season if he proves himself over the next uh, few months. But he's got to really he's got to shape up. And at the end of the day, you know, Bernard Jackman, Dragons, they you know they can say all the right things. They can tell him he got to do this and all, but he's got to want it, hasn't he? Mm. Talk a bit about the Blues. Then. Owen Lane um, is grabbing a few headlines and, and a lot of people talking about him at the moment. Uh, got man of the match at Rodney Parade. What did you make of his performance? You mentioned that he set up. Sam Hill's try, but I must admit I've not seen a lot of him, so I, I can't really pass judgment. Yeah, I've seen, so I've seen for him, me. I've seen for Wales under twenty. So no, he's a, he's a um, he's a, uh, quite a squat player. Um, mm. He's powerful uh, in a sense. You know, Scott sort of Gibbs sort of builds, perhaps a, a bit slimmer, but same sort of thing. Very powerful, strong hips and that can yeah. bump people off. It's got a bit about him. I like about him as well. He went looking for work, came off his wing a lot. I think he's played centre a lot, really. So maybe he's a centre has been playing on the wing recently. Uh, came off his wing, looked for work, and uh, and he, you know he hits a ball hard and he can do some damage. And he got a bit of football and ability about him as well because when he um, when he um, bumped off Henson, you know, then he looked to offload. You know, some players have just got the old white line fever and gone for the line there uh, themselves. So I think he, I think he certainly went to watch. You know, he's got the stamp uh, that he could really do. You know, he could make the he should you know. He should come through. I would have thought. Mm. Um, one man who I've, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to throw you in the same basket as me, but I think you might may, might have agreed with me at one point. One man I wrote off at the Dragons was Saro Pretorius, um, given the noises that are being made about this. You know, obviously there's Rodri Williams coming in next year. Um, there's not, there's going to be too many scrum halves, and I figured, seeing as he hadn't been involved as much, that he would be the one that would probably ship out, but. Made an impact when he came on. Is it fair to say? Yeah, but I don't think he'd be at Dragons next season. Yeah, um, yeah, he made impact when he came on. He always makes an impact, doesn't he? Um, I think he's a good player, Victorious, and I think when he plays, he adds something to the Dragons. Uh, which, funny enough, Rodney Williams is quite similar to him in a, in a uh, uh, sort of a sniping type player, sharp, uh, uh, looks to run and looks to you know break the defense. Uh, Pretorius uh, does that, but. It, Unfortunately, there's this sort of, I know, I got a misconception that, uh, that oh, you know, Pretorius is better as an impact player off the bench, the opposition's tired and all. Well, I don't buy that because I've covered a lot of Dragons uh, matches since he's been there and he has clearly been their best scrum half since he's been there and I just think it's madness you waste a person of that talent by having him on a bench for 50, 60 minutes. You know, he can, and when he's playing, they get more tempo in a game, which is what they did get in that last quarter an hour 20 minutes and because he provides a lot of that tempo because he is so sharp didn't they um, well, didn't they replace Barbos who was supposed to start with Charlie Davis yeah, as opposed to promoting yeah. him from the bench yeah because the very reason I've just said because they don't see Pretorius as a starter they see uh, um, they see him as like a, a finisher yeah. shouldn't 
We've talked a lot about the dragons, and they've been given the benefit of, a, of the doubt, particularly in the early part of the season because of this project and this rebuilding phase that they're going through. And Bernard Jackman spoke a lot at the start of the season about having a three-year project and that that needs to be allowed to develop. Um, they've got two wins from 11 matches in the Pro 14. Is no, that No better than last season. Exactly. And... If you, I know they're in different situations, right? But you look, it's the same record that the Ospreys have, and Steve Tandy is under immense pressure there. I suppose you could caveat that with the relative expectations at the two regions, but still, it hasn't been. Well, looking at the stats alone, how much progress has really been made, given all the noise that's surrounding the region? Well, first of all, Jack has only come in this season, so I, th- I, I don't think it's fair to say he's under pressure. No, no. It is a project, and really, the proof will be in the pudding. Be next season when they when they bring in the cavalry, and let's see how good they are then. Yeah. Um, on, on a pitch, there's uh, I think there's probably uh, there's uh, certainly more about them, and uh, and I would say that the players are definitely fitter, yeah. and they keep going for longer in games, and there's uh, a lot more. Det- and I would say there's more determination uh, throughout the camp. Uh, so I think it's, uh, um, mentally they're a lot stronger than they were last season and they clearly believe in what's going on uh, there behind the, uh, the scenes the squad I'm talking about there um, what, uh, where they, where their problem has been now is these back row injuries uh, I mean it started didn't it before the season when Ed uh, Jackson had a horrific uh, accident uh, because he was the number 8 it was uh, the sort of number 8 they needed and mm. really had one this season and now uh, when he lose um Ollie Britt, Griffiths, uh, Cud, Cud yeah. Lewis Evans, and a few other boys have had knocks as well. Uh, I think it's a bit of a, uh, a struggle. But Jackman did say that he was targeting his period when he got all these home games yeah. in uh, December and January, and this is the time to get some wins and all. Well, um, they haven't had a win yet, have they? At home. They drew with Ulster, which was probably their best performance of the season because it was really good Ulster side that came there. Uh, since then, they lost Newcastle, and now they lost to the Blues, and they'll be uh, underdogs against the Ospreys. Mm. All right, then let's move on to talk about the Ospreys and the Scarlets game. Twelve uh, nine win for the Scarlets. Um, before we discuss this, I know you had bad weather at the Scarlet at the uh, Dragons, but I'm going to claim the weather was worse down west because I was there. Um, I have never been that cold or wet covering a rugby match in my entire life. Matt, let me offer you a bit of experience <laughs> on my long career in this. You've always got to prepare for the worst. <laughs> have enough clothes with you yeah. to cope with the weather. And plus, at the Scarlet, at Ronnie Parade, the press box is in the back of the stand, so you yeah. always dry. At the Scarlet, it's at the front of the stand, and where the weather comes from, it blows in there, you know. It, your laptop how did that keep well, going for the game no with all that water on your electrics yeah well my obviously I had to stay in the press box because I was doing the live updates um, for Wales Online and the uh, the laptop was needing a wipe every five minutes I was beginning to panic about getting on the bad side of the IT department but you know it, if it's bad enough for me then for the players honestly I, uh, I, I I'll be honest I looked on TV and the weather looked worse at the uh, yeah. at, uh, at um, in Lanethi from the highlights I've seen I don't think it fully came across just how bad it was um, I won't normally defend professional players for not being able to play in bad conditions but it, it was nearly impossible to play rugby in that weather and I think they were as relieved as anyone when the final whistle went because it was absolutely dire um, that said Somebody said to me yesterday that the game got the finale that it didn't deserve. 
which is probably a fair comment, but I think the Scarlets deserve a huge amount of credit for coming through that um, because they, they strung together a number of phases, probably as many as anybody strung together in the entire game. And Patchell came on, had a bit of influence, threw like a 25-metre pass out wide during that phase, <laughs> which was, you know, in that weather was impressive. Scott Williams with a little chip um, across to Josh McLeod and then... As that kick was coming across, I thought he's got no chance of taking that because there have been so many drop balls in that game. He took it and I thought if he catches it, he's going to have to stop and then there's no way he's going to break the tackle. He caught it and powered through the tackle and, and it was a very impressive try given the conditions. So I think they need, and I, I must say after that, it was absolute chaos in the stadium. Uh, the crowd went absolutely bonkers. Apparently there were some some fans who'd seek shelter inside and it was going mental on the concourse as well and you know it, it was a great great atmosphere um, and it was good to be down there despite the fact that I, I thought my face I thought that the Scalas managed that latter part of the match to to steal it because yeah. that's what they did they stole it yeah. really that they managed that really well yeah. and kept their composure and uh, patience and they did uh, you know they they, they, they superb out of the way they won the match. Yeah. Uh, however, I thought the Ospreys probably, uh, wouldn't say had it in the bag, but the Ospreys had probably uh, perhaps done enough. But yeah. the key moment for me was why they take off Dimitri Arip, yeah. they put forward. Uh, you know, you're playing in those conditions again, not a qu- the ball in playtime has probably been down. Yeah. Or the uh, quickest match, uh, you know, so not the quickest match. They kept Nicky Smith on all match on the other side. Ospreys had some ascendancy in the scrum with Mr. Arip on there. And then they take him off 70 minutes, 10 minutes to go. We can their scrum up and then they give a free kick and a penalty away, yeah. which ended, was the reason the scouts were able to put him under pressure. Yeah. And you ended up playing in the Ospreys 22. Why do coaches take players off? You know, they say, oh, 23 man game. Well, Sir Graham Henry, one of the greatest coaches of uh, all time in the last couple of months, he said it's just too many substitutions. Coaches make uh, changes by the clock. And for the sake of it, he said, the only two players run excessively in a match is a scrum half and the open side flanker. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it and say Arhip was was probably blowing at that stage. The yeah. game was played at, at a really ferocious, you know, it wasn't played at a ferocious pace, but the intensity was up there with, with as, as much as you'll see at regional level. And I, I fully agree with what you're saying. My you point know, is that I would want Arhip still on it to scrummage because he's much better. Yeah, well, that's, the bloke who came that's what I'm getting at. You, if he's if he is blowing, just turn around and say to him, "Look, we'll carry you for the for open play." And he was playing against there, 14 men. Yeah, and you're on there to scrummage, and obviously, like you said, they give away the free kick, and they get shoved off the ball in the last play when all they had to do was win it and kick mm. it out, pretty much, and the rest is history. So I suppose you know, um, and not just that. The the other thing that will perplex Ospreys fans is why their tactics weren't altered at half time. Obviously, Steph Evans gets the red card, which we'll come on to just before half-time. Um, and yes, it was difficult to play expansive rugby. I spoke to Jeff Hassler after the game about this, and, and he basically said, look, you know, in weather like that, it's difficult to get the ball wide, and you can't, you can't really exploit those spaces. But if, if you lose a back three player, then to, for, for the kickers not to be able to find space in that second half and really pin the Scarlets back into their own half with the kicking game is it's just a little bit confusing you know the Scarlets deserve credit for marshalling that backfield really well it was interesting to see Halfpenny and McNichol shouting at each other constantly and other players taking responsibility James Davis did a lot of covering out there like he did in the semi-final last year when Evans got sent off so the Scarlets managed it well but 
I think a, a bit of the pressure has to go into the Ospreys here because, you know, in the first half you you would accept that it was difficult to play, so it was very t- it was a very tight game. It was just one out runners quite a lot. You couldn't really get intricate with your play because it was the ball was like a bar of soap. Um, but I think they just had to try a little bit more in that second half yes. and really try and get out at that space. Yeah, shouldn't they played on James Davis a bit more with the kicking game? Yeah, they could have behind done. him and all. I don't know what if he's got a kicking game himself. I wouldn't have thought he's got much of a kicking flanker, game. But so he is you comfortable. Know, you, yeah, yeah, I know he's very comfortable on the ball. And he can play yeah. in the backs. Yeah, he's, uh, wouldn't he be the guy you'd uh, target perhaps a bit with the kicking t- game rather than half penny or a nickel and kick a ball back? Yeah, uh, play on James Davis behind him. Hope he runs back to, at you and then you could bottle him, bottle him up and you might get something uh, uh, from it. But yeah. Um, yeah, they didn't really exploit the field, did they? Um, no. They didn't really pull the scarlets one way and then the other, and then maybe be able to use utilize that extra uh, extra man. Yeah. yeah. On the right card, then at the time, I thought there's absolutely no way he can stay on the field. I've seen the replays, and I still think that. Yeah. Um, there's obviously no, there's nothing malicious in it, but we've had a quick chat, and my initial instinct, and if you look at the pictures as well. And the video, he's never quite getting there. No, that's right. He was always he's good always, second best, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and he jumps early because he knows he has to get up. He never gets anywhere near the height of Ben John. And it's the kind of challenge where you just need to think to yourself, I'm not going to win this. Let's just pull up a little bit and just make the tackle. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's over. It's probably a bit of over-exuberance. You know, it's a derby. You don't want to be pulling out of challenges. If you think you can get to the ball, put pressure on, maybe force a knock-on, things like that. But it's just one of those where he should have pulled out. And, and he'll probably know. I don't think many people will have to tell him. Um, I, I, speaking to Pivak after the match, it sounded very much like he held his hands up in the dressing room as well, which is, you know, mm-hmm. good to hear. But I don't think he's got much of a leg to stand on there. What was the reaction of the uh, Scarlet's fans when you shot him red? Um, they, they were they, by their standards a bit muted because they are such a yeah, passionate and vitriolic there were a couple of shouts of ref he ruined, ruined the game and things like that but I mean I don't, I don't think he had any choice Ian Davis to send him off and and yes to answer your question there wasn't a chorus of boos yeah. I mean, well, there, I think that says it all then doesn't it there, there was a few but I think everybody understands these days when a player goes up and gets mm. taken out lands on his neck or shoulder you know, the other man's in trouble. Um, in terms of what sort of ban he'll get, we're recording this before that that disciplinary hearing happens. But you'd expect that there's going to be a couple of weeks here. Yeah, and of course he wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have thought he'd have any mitigating circumstances because he got sent off in the Pro 12 uh, uh, final last season, didn't he? Semi-final, but that'll, yeah, yeah uh, semi final for speed title. Yeah. Um, so you know, usually they give him time off, don't they, for good behaviour and all. So I guess uh, he might not have that. So he, he could face a three week ban. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe a month potentially could uh, could knock him for his chances of getting a world squad for Six Nations. Um, but yeah, there was uh, no dispute. That was definite uh, red card. And you're right, uh, players when they're chasing the ball, unless you're gonna, unless you're favourite to win the ball, uh, because the defending player always coming on the ball has usually got an advantage. Mm. Um, you know, players is best. You see it only more often than not. Now players pull out yeah. and just wait till the catcher lands and you tap them straight away. Yeah. So this is feet you the dead, you tap them. Yeah. and uh, try and wrap him up uh, another thing an interesting talking point we were robbed of a few of the head to heads that we were looking forward to just purely because Fonatia obviously is swapping with Scott Williams next season at the Ospreys and Scarlets and they were supposed to go head to head but uh, Fonatia pulled out I think they missed him before in that game yeah. because of carrying the ball up in those conditions yeah, yeah and he's been playing quite well yeah 
potentially. Um, and obviously, we missed out a lot on the Tipperick James Davis head to head because Davis had to spend a lot of time covering the the gap that Steph Evans would have been in. And, and to be honest, it's difficult to judge in those games anyway because they're, they're so unique in that there's not a lot happening in the wider channels that it's difficult to, to form an opinion at times. But the two scrum halves, we had Reese Webb was called in before kickoff. He was supposed to be on the bench, but him and Haverfield swapped. Obviously, going head to head with Gareth Davis, a big little duel that, you know, the, a little bit of handbags at the Liberty in the reverse fixture. Um, but I think both sets of fans got quite frustrated with their own scrum half, particularly in the second half. Scarlet's fans got on Gareth Davis's back a little bit. Um, and, you know, in their defence, he was a little bit ponderous at times. Um, Is that why they're all related? I think it can be, and I think that's probably why Reese Webb didn't have the impact as well, because they had to be so careful at the base of the rucks. The ball was slow because the play was pretty one-dimensional, so the ruck speed was down. Um, there were boots and bodies flying everywhere. The ball's like a bar of soap. Um, so obviously the gaps aren't there on the fringes for those two to attack. Um, I think Gareth Davis at times there was a bit of... he was. He's picked the ball up before he's made a decision of, or before he knows what the fly half wants to do. Before, you know, I think he, he was just trying to do things on a, at a slightly different wavelength to his teammates, and and it made him, it did make him look a little bit silly at times because he picked the ball up, look one way, look another way, and this, and you know, if the fans are going mental because there's only 15 minutes left on the clock or whatever, and um, obviously they needed the try, um, but I do have a degree of sympathy with the scrum halves. There was a lot of kicking. Um, because of the weather that was the, probably the best way to gain any territory because you had knock-ons Webb himself dropped a couple of high balls I think he had some stick on Twitter off a fan and he's just tweeted him back saying the only thing I caught yesterday was a cold <laughs> he's probably not alone in that <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah you know, but I have in those weather conditions it is they, they are going to have to take a bit more time but you know it's hard for scrum it, it, it is difficult like that, isn't it um, so I do have a degree of sympathy, but the um, and I I think they were both as frustrated as each other. And the key for scrum half, they might know, and uh, is you need your pack to look after you in those conditions. Now, yeah. did the Scarlets uh, pack look after Gaz Davis? Did the Ospreys look after Reese Webb? Well, I think what I what I alluded to is that both game plans were were pretty simple. Um, it wasn't the day for trying to be uh, expansive or trying to show off with getting passes out of the tackle and things. So it's really easy to defend. You're getting tackled by two or three players. Then there's bodies everywhere at the ruck because there's so many people in such a close proximity. Um, the game obviously was tight. But, you know, it is, it's difficult for the scrum halves. And like I said, the fans were frustrated. They got on Gareth Davis's back a little bit, um, which you can kind of understand with... With everybody so up for it with the derby, um, but yeah, it's a difficult one. Difficult one for the pair of those. Uh, moving on to uh, Steve Tandy, we mentioned it earlier, um, and we've mentioned it for a while now. There's a lot of disquiet in Australia about his position. From a couple of weeks ago, has anything changed in terms of is, is he still going to get the back in that he needs from those above him? Well, I think, he, I think they, they, they've said they're backing him and they've given him uh, you know, an extent, uh, extended deal so they've really um, uh, put their cards on the table by saying Steve Tandy's uh, our man um, I think he, the pressure eased the touch uh, 
perhaps not so much from fans, uh, but from the media because they did the um, double over Northampton Saints in uh, in Europe. Uh, and if they uh, hang on against the Scarlets, that would have been good for him. Now he needs uh, Ospreys. Now they um, need to beat the Dragons though uh, to um, you know to keep it off him. And then they've got that uh, Champions Cup. They still in with a chance of qualifying. Uh, if the Ospreys could somehow get out of their group, um, of course, then the uh, pressure really eases on uh, Tandy, doesn't mm. it? It is back to their position in the um, Pro 14, uh, their conference. Um, I, he, as well, has been given a budget, signed players for next season, so in a sense they've been competing with the um, uh, Dragons, so they're bringing in some people for next season, so the board have clearly decided that Tandy's our man, rather than change the coach which might actually be the, opera, the cheaper option and keep most of the same players they decided to go for the more expensive option which is keep the coach and change quite a few players so there's going to be people in and out uh, the uh, Ospreys uh, but of course they uh, you know they record Pro 12 champions along with Leinster four titles each but they haven't won uh, I don't think it's 2012 is it since their last title mm. it's a long time ago isn't it for like a big not, region like not, not only that I mean they they were in the playoffs last year, and this year they've only won two games in the league. You know, it, it's difficult well, for yeah, fans yeah, to, to deal with that. Yeah, it's really it's dumbfounding, isn't it? When you look at their records, same as the Dragons. Yet the Ospreys squad is so much better than the Dragons, yeah. and it's just a great a mystery how they've performed so badly and their and their, and their results because their squad is so strong. They should be doing a lot better than they are. Mm. All right, then let's have a look at the uh, the games coming up on New Year's Eve. Obviously, the Blues. Let me just mention oh. one other thing, Matt Bond, the Pro Sorry, uh, Pro Fourteen, that I watched a recording of that Munster Leinster derby. Okay, the weather was better over there, it was windy and all, but I'd advise anyone who's uh, who can get access to a recording of that game to watch it because that was a fantastic game of rugby. There's some absolutely wonderful um, tries in it, and the intensity and the organisation and the physicality was played with and how enterprising the teams were it was really was a, it was a joy to watch alright then and let's talk about some other games we're going to be watching soon then New Year's Eve as I said Scarlet's go to the Blues uh, quarter past three kick off uh, Wayne Pivak uh, has been talking about the pitch at the Arms Park again uh, he's not backed down on his original comments uh, he said he's not going to risk players who are carrying leg or foot sort of niggles he named uh, he said he named Aaron Chingler as having a problem with his foot and said he's not going to put Samson Lee on that pitch with, with the problems he's been having with his, with his Achilles. Um, it's an interesting one, but it's not a new issue. So I'm a little bit confused as to why he's brought it up. Why it's an issue now is because he's gone public on it, isn't it? A lot of people, there's been a lot of disquiet since they've laid that pitch. It's been disquiet from some of the Blues players, particularly... Uh, you know how hard it is on the legs, uh, especially for some of the older uh, uh, guys. I don't think people really like. Uh, um, you know, I don't think you'd want to be training on that pitch every day, put it that way. Mm. And uh, so it is tough on the legs. It's you know, I think Pivak. You know, he's an honest bloke. Uh, I think he was just asked about uh, what's his plans, for team selections for the uh, uh, over this period, and he just come out and uh, said, oh, no, "I'm going to pick some of the non risk some of those pay, uh, players on that pitch at the Arms Park." You know, obviously, Reese Patchell, when he was playing for the uh, Blues, he suffered a serious injury. He leapt for a ball, caught it when he landed, went over on some neck and that. And I remember Alex uh, Cuthbert uh, running in a game. No one was near him. He ran his foot slip, caught his studs, and all did his ankle and was out for quite a, uh, 
few weeks. So they have had injuries on that pitch. Of course, the Blues would argue that uh, perhaps the, uh, there's no more injuries on their pitch than on any other uh, mm. pitch. But um, but it's certainly, uh, I can understand what Pivot is uh, saying. Your shinglers, Samson Lee with his Achilles, Achilles problems, would you want him risk him uh, pushing at the scrum on that, on that pitch? Plus, of course, they, they, uh, they've got a game on there uh, a few days later. Um, and then they go into Europe as well and they want uh, Shingler and all for, uh, for Europe On a more positive note uh, from a Blues point of view the game's uh, sold out by the looks of things Yeah it's great great um, news and that's great it's been a similar story across the board you know there's a big crowd at the Dragons I think it was around just there was over 14,000 if memory serves me right at Park Scarlet Wonderful. So you know, it's great to see the crowds rocking up for the for the Welsh Derby, well, despite is, the weather. Yeah, and this is why we got this is why Christmas Derby is so important. You know, some people say, "Oh, they shouldn't be playing over the bank all day." Period. No, it's ridiculous. It's an entertainment business. It's show business, and this is when you get the punters for the gate. Is when you have the giving uh, the public something to do over the uh, all day period. And you never know, maybe some of them will come back and uh, enjoy it and come back for more, which is what we want, isn't it? So I think it's great, always fantastic, isn't it, when you see full ground yeah. and the atmosphere. Come on, bring it on. <laughs> um, Scarlet's favourites for this one? Or or do you fancy the Blues? I fancy the Blues. Do you? Yes, I do. Based on yeah. what? Based on, well, you know what you said, the players of uh, uh, Shingler, a couple of few other lads might be missing yeah. from the Scarlet's. And yeah. Blues, I let me think. I don't think they picked up any injuries at the Dragons. You got like Tom James could probably start. Could might may start uh, this week. Um, a couple of other boys could come in as well. Uh, yeah, and I think the Blues would be right up for it. Mm. Derby, you know, last season's match was a classic. Yeah, at the Arms Park, and I think the Blues will be right up for this game. And uh, it could be. Uh, it depends on the weather, of course. It could be another thriller. Yeah, because Scars, you know, I think I think it could be quite a lot of points in the match. Yeah, and Blues, isn't it? They've had top two every season, and really, when you look at their squad, they got a lot of depth in it. But they've um, they're top two every season. But they've got plenty of ability there. Yeah, I and mean, if they get their feel a good side and hit their straps, there's no reason why they can't beat any of the Welsh regions. So you're saying it depends on which Blues team turns up. Yeah, but it all might. I expect the Blues to turn up. Uh, apart from at sale away in Europe, Blues tend to turn up in Europe. Generally, and they tend to turn up for uh, derbies. Okay. You remember what they did at the Ospreys last season on Judgment Day? <laughs> yeah. You know, you got Gaz Danskin back in as well now, calling shots at uh, outside half. You know, he controls the game well, he's a good player. Yeah. And uh, Thomas Williams, the scrum half, he's a player always, in, you know, he continues to impress if, me. I don't know if there's anything in it, but he always seems to have a good game at, at home as well. Quick and he, nippy. Fast Thomas service. Williams? Yeah. yeah, he's got fast service, he's, you know, he's sharp. Yeah. Sharp, he's a good player. He's only one watch in the future. Whether there's anything in it, you know, in terms of the pitch, there's always good conditions for him to snipe and run. He's quick and he's nippy. Yeah, Maybe there's something he's quite in big I, don't know. I never see him have a bad game, really. Yeah, he's quite, big, so. he's quite a big bloke as well, mate. He's more of a Conor Murray sort of build, I'd say. Maybe a bit shorter, but he's, and he's very sharp. Still got yeah. time to fill out as well, hasn't he? No, he's, I know Gatlin I've been looking at him for about three three years of course he had a serious injury mm. but he's one who could force you know big derby you know again he could force his way into the world squad for the Six, six Nations alright fair enough uh, on to the Dragons then they got the Ospreys uh, both obviously looking to bounce back off defeats 25-6 to six, uh, six kick off at Rodney Parade that one uh, but there's a couple of injuries that 
are going to affect this potentially. Halame Moss limped out of the Blues, Ankle. He won't be playing. Blues game. And Dan Evans came off early on in the Scarlets game. That was a nasty collision um, on the far side. I think it's a dead leg that he's got. He didn't um, great either. I can't see. It's a shame he came off as well, by the way, because I thought he actually started the game you know, he's continuing the form he's been showing yeah, in recent yeah. weeks. And he was right up for it, wasn't he? Um, so yeah, you know, it's a sh- I, you know, it's a shame for him. Um, I can't really see. You know, if you see someone coming off mm. in the first ten minutes, it's normally a pretty significant injury. So mm. I can't really see him coming back. So we've got a couple of injuries there. So there may be a few changes. Obviously, Ben John. I don't think he's going to be involved this week because of his head injury from that collision with Steph Evans. So you're likely to see Hannah Dirksen come back for that. Uh, Fonatia may come back into the mix although Ashley Beck did make a very good break and looked fairly decent uh, with the limited chances that he had he's a good player on your back um, you just think the main issue is around Sam Davis I think and Dan Bigger as we were driving down to Planetley I thought surely they've got to be thinking about putting Bigger in at 10 what, today like they did with Webb just, yeah. just because of the conditions right. because I thought that, you know it as a flag. even over things I've you know said recently, they need to stick by Sam Davis and all. Yeah. I, if I'd been Tandy, I would have changed, they changed Webb, brought him in, and I would yeah. put bigger in as well. In Just those conditions, you, yeah, it was a day for so Dan was, Bigger, was um, But in fairness, Sam Sam Davis actually played quite well. Um, and if if you're not gonna if you're not gonna change the, the halfbacks or the fly half, sorry, in the build up to that game, obviously they've stuck with Sam Davis for a few weeks now. I don't think you can really drop him off the back of that performance. Yeah, how did Bigger go at fullback? Didn't really have much of an influence on the game, mm. to be honest. Not the, you know, he came in at first receiver a lot, as you as you might expect. But I mean, well, I've seen him play fullback in the past for the Ospreys, and he played very well. He looks a pretty good fullback. He doesn't give you. He's not a running threat, though, is he? No, but he, he comes in, doesn't he? And he does a bit of a playmaking role, mm. and he organises and but stuff. But in, in fairness, like you said, you know, the game wasn't built for second yeah. playmakers it, it, it wasn't it, there well it'll be interesting now against the Dragons who's a fullback if Dan Evans is not fit will they just shift Sam Davis back to fullback he's played a lot or will they pick, actually pick uh, bigger at, uh, at, at starting at 15 uh, big decision isn't it? because of the uh, future of the Ospreys next season there's no damn bigger so should you put your um, you yeah. know, should you uh, carry on with Sam Davis then at uh, at number 10 and just play bigger at 15 or will Sam Davis yet again be shunted somewhere else to accommodate Daniel I mean whoever's there is going to have to be given licence to be more expansive than they have been um, I mean I know they cut loose against Northampton in the back to back fixtures but there was no ambition at Pakistan despite yeah, yeah. The do they need a lot of ambition not beat Dragons in the well, key, is in the key to beating the Dragons uh, is okay they might have a test in the scrum but the key here is the physicality, isn't it? Dan Idiot, Ollie Cracknell, like they did last year in the mud bath, of uh, Alan Wynne Jones of pick and goes, pick and goes, pick and goes, and we'll, we'll, you know, I think they probably be able to overpower the Dragons with those sort of tactics. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But I think Osprey's fans want to see a bit more than that. I just think they want to see a bit more from the backs. Yeah, but I tell you, the first thing they want to see is their team win. <laughs> That's a very good point. So, who do you fancy in that one? Ospreys. Yeah. Yeah. Comfortably, or or close. I think they put the way. I think that power will tell, and in the second half, and I think they will. Um, yeah, I think they will win by uh, more than a score. Yeah, Fair yeah it's going to be interesting. Of course, there has been times mitigate that one. There's been times in the past where the Ospreys haven't turned up, 
Ronnie Parade when he had the Galactic Ghost <laughs> of the Stars, but then the Dragons had a better side than perhaps they've, uh, uh, you know, better squad than they've got um, got now. So, uh, and the Ospreys did a big number on them last season. Of course, as well, like the Dragons are an interesting one. I've just been reminded of something I saw on Twitter ahead of the, of the game last, um, a couple on Boxing Day. A Blues fan saying he's never wanted to beat the Dragons more because of everything that's going on at the region at the yeah. moment with the WRU. Yeah, because uh, that's because that fan and a lot of other supporters and some of the regions now fear the Dragons. In the future, they fear the Dragons are going to become a force because they're owned by the WIU. And you, things are happening, aren't they? Dragons doing really some really good PR off the field, and they perhaps they show you know their performances off the field are much better than they are on it. It's <laughs> a fair, fair assessment of that one. Then. Okay, um, before we finish, I just want to touch on some some general news in Welsh rugby. Bath. Were fined this week by uh, Premiership Rugby sixty thousand pounds for allowing Faletau to play in the out of window test against South Africa. Obviously, the rules in England are that non English players uh, should only be released for the three allocated test weekends. Yeah, the window, um, the official window, the official window. Yeah, World rugby. Um, obviously, Wales have played this fourth test outside the window, like they have done for a few years. Uh, Clearly, it's in his contract. Yeah. and as long as he's with Bath if he plays in any match outside the test window unless there's an, an amnesty that he's gonna, they're going to be it with a fine each uh, each time do you know what, what I can't believe about it how would Bath allow him to have this in his contract well, that's what I was going to say in the first place is this not then do you, do you not think that this may have been Faletel at the time of negotiating said I need, I want this in my contract or not oh yeah I think he insisted on it because Gat- Gatlin told uh, all the players who've gone to England to insist on having it in their contracts and you, and you, so he's good. He's a good enough player then to be able to make those demands essentially yeah and he's, and he's a strong enough character to be able to make those demands I think that's be part of it as well uh, in terms of what in, like as a person yeah as a person tell his agent I definitely want to my contract I'm not going See, now, that's quite interesting to me because he always comes across to me as a, as a bit of a quiet reserved bloke but you know oh he's a strong character yeah. well yeah. there you go you learned yeah. something new so uh, yeah so he'd insist on it and he's a big enough name to be able to do it isn't he yeah. you've got a more of a fringe international they won't have the clout perhaps to be able to get away with that yeah I mean George North did didn't he as well hmm. at uh Northampton. What's interesting with Falatel though, he's got another year left on his deal at Bath. Dragons want to get him back. Try want to get him out of contract. You know, we've done this story a while ago. Is yeah. uh, you know what's and he hasn't actually played that many uh, games since he joined Bath the last season because he had all his knee injuries. Yeah. Uh, there's been some fans over Bath saying, "Well, what does he look like?" <laughs> but when he has played for a mine, he's played well. Yeah. But uh, it's World Cup year next year. Would be beneficial for him to be in Wales. We can be looked after more, not play so many club matches. If you, you know, assuming he's fit all the time, um, could you know? Will Bath definitely want to keep him for next season? Will they be prepared to uh, release him? And um, and if they were, if they did, would they demand a transfer fee? And would the Dragons be able to a want to pay that transfer fee? And then B stump up the cash to be able to, to pay it because it could be you know between hundred and two hundred grand. I would imagine. All right, then moving on quickly. Uh, Dai Young has been a candidate for a Wales job in many people's eyes. A lot of people uh, say they want him when Gatlin goes after the World Cup. He's pretty much ruled himself out of that job now. Yeah, I think that is. Uh, you know, we did a story at the uh, weekend in uh, on Wales Online and Wales on Sunday. Martin first chief executive of the WIU saying as a shortlist of three, but there was two other persons of interest. So three plus two equals five. But he did say <laughs> one of those, uh, one of those, uh, uh, there was one of the people had uh, said they weren't interested in the job when Gatlin leaves, but they were interested in twenty 
23 and Matford said that yeah, he was going to help try and help that person's development over the next few years which suggested that it was Dai Young and uh, Dai is going to stay with uh, uh, stay in the Midlands now isn't it commentary and uh, his team playing some great rugby and um, and so he's moved himself out to 2023 20, you know whoever comes in 2019 they might have to do a bit of rebuilding job mind there's going to be quite a few old boys in that uh, uh, yeah. team so I think that Dai's enjoying what he's doing and I I don't think he would have got the job probably in uh, 2019 anyway looks like one of the New Zealanders few New Zealanders in it um, Dave Rennie Chris Boyd and uh, Wayne Pivish actually uh, probably the front runners so uh, Dai is quite a clever bloke and uh, maybe he's thinking well better off waiting till 2023 mm. and you know he's going to hopefully he's going to develop more and more doing a coach doing that period and whilst they're going to start piling up the trophies Perhaps. Uh, just finally then, uh, Jamie Roberts was on BT Sports Rugby tonight, last night. Great show uh, from those guys, as always. Uh, he's discussing his future. Obviously, he's got a lot of options. Uh, he's up to contract at the end of the season. been talk of him going to Japan, although he put those rumours straight last night. Sort of said he was asked if he'd fancy Japan, and he said something like, yeah, be open to it, kind of thing. So it's not a dead set he's going to Japan. He was asked about returning to Wales. He said, yeah, you know, potentially all my options are on the table kind of situation. So where do you think he would be? Where can you see him ending up? What's he suited to? I mean, he's the kind of guy, he was one of the first ones to go to France. Yeah. He was, you know, he's not afraid to go to new cultures. No, he talked about how much he loved the experience of going abroad. I mean, he's um, a really bright guy, well, you know, as we know, he's a really bright guy, isn't he? And he's, uh, he's worldly wise and, uh, yeah, he loves all his experiences, isn't he? He's a Welshman who can... Uh, you know, who can you know settle abroad? Perhaps wouldn't suffer from home sickness. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, he's had those experiences in Paris and uh, in London. Now, my, um, I think he could end up back in Wales. Yeah, I, and I don't know this for certain. I don't know. This is not based on anything certain I've been told or any information I'm privy to. It's just your but gut feeling. My gut feeling is that. I know last season, though last season there was a different regime at the Dragons there in mind. I was told last season, watch Jamie Roberts, born in Cumbrand, <laughs> or something, so it's got links to Gwent, about him. Now, I don't know what uh, the, this, the new regime of Bernard Jackman thinks of Jamie Roberts, um, but I wouldn't entirely discount him going to the uh, Dragons. However, the only reservations I have about Jamie is how much club rugby does he play? He's, uh, when he was at Brassin and at Harley Quinns uh, you know now with Harley Quinns he's probably playing more because he's not involved with Wales but um, <clears throat> Jamie's had a lot of injuries over the years so he's missed a lot of rugby would he be there for then a value for money uh, signing how much can they get him for yeah. is this uh, but the other one I would definitely not rule out is him going back to Cardiff Blues he was very emotional when he left the Blues yeah he was when he he was about it. Um, same reservations are how much would they get out of him as in playing uh, rugby, but he is the type of sign-in Peter Thomas loves. You know, Peter Thomas, Jamie Roberts, Sam Warburton. Big names. Big names. Lions. Gethin Jenkins, don't forget they got him back from Toulon and he went to Gethin failed to settle over there as well. Uh, Jamie Roberts, great guy. Wales, Lions. Cardiff Blues. You could see you know, Peter. Th- I could see Peter Thomas. You can. That's irrespective of who's running the running up rugby operation at the Blues. Peter Thomas saying we want to get Jamie back. <laughs> I can see it happening. All right, then we leave it there for now. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, we got Blues v Scarlets New Year's Eve at three fifteen p.m. 
And myself and Andy will be at the Dragons of the Ospreys at 5.35pm. We'll be celebrating the New Year's Eve down at uh, Rodney Paredes. Yes, Fancy we certainly that. will, Matt. Yeah, I'm going to wrap up warm flower and learn my lessons from the Scarlet's yeah, match. You won't have to worry about the, uh, the rain in the stand on Matt, but you need to wrap up warm <laughs> if the uh, wind is uh, whipping in, whipping off the river esque. There you go. This is why, you see, I'm always learning from you, Ace. And obviously, as we mentioned, um, those games, we'll be covering the build up to those matches, the live updates, and you'll get all the match reports and reaction on Wales Online.